0: Come sing, pray, write new music, share testimonies and resources, and grow together with like-minded worship leaders from across the world. Go to LLIW.net to register. Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, bless us as we seek through your word to bring comfort to your people. In the name of Jesus, everyone said, Amen. John was terminally ill and knew that he had just a short time to live. So in order to regain some control, he called his pastor by the house one day and said, I want to make my funeral arrangements. So he chose what scriptures would be read, what songs would be sung. But then he had a rather strange Final request. He said, I want to be buried with a fork in my hand. Wow. The pastor could not contain her amazement at such a request. So John explained that his favorite part of going to potlucks was when the main course was cleared. He said, someone would always come over to me and lean over and say, hold on to your fork. He said, I knew that meant something better was coming, along like key lime pie, chocolate cake, something wonderfully sweet. So when the people see me in my casket with a fork in my hand, and they ask you why, let them know that the best is yet to come. The pastor hugged John, sensing that this would be the last time she would see him alive. Sure enough, at the funeral, As people processed by the casket, they said, what in the world is he doing with the fork in his hand? The pastor smiled and said, it's to remind us that the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come? You may wonder how this could be said when people are experiencing profound loss and grief. But as Christians, we believe in the sure and blessed hope of the resurrection of all who die in Christ. We know that the grave is not the end, but where we must wait until we hear the trumpet sound of the life giver. At that time, there will be a grand reunion in the sky of mothers and fathers, sisters and brothers, friends and neighbors, the likes of which the world has never seen before. And because of this promise, we can put our trust in God today. But until that time comes, as humans, we have to deal with the cold reality that death is excruciatingly painful to those who have lost a loved one. And brothers and sisters, grief hurts like nothing else. Arthur Edgar Jackson properly describes grief when he says... Grief is the silent knife-like terror and sadness that comes a 100 times a day when you start to speak to someone who is no longer there. Grief is the emptiness that comes when you eat alone after eating with another for many years. Grief is teaching yourself to go to bed without saying goodnight to the one who has died. Grief is a whole cluster of adjustments apprehensions and uncertainties that strike life in its forward progress and make it difficult to redirect the energies of life. Death and grief will come into our lives, I say today, and no one here is immune to it. But for the child of God, we have hope today because Jesus has promised to be with us. Paul says, Do not grieve like those who have no hope, David said, weeping man do it for a night, but joy comes in the morning. But the question someone may have, but preacher, how long will the night last? I do not know, but I do know that he's promised that he will never leave you or forsake you. Even though we know these verses and believe them, at times we may be so overwhelmed by our grief that we forget God's precious promises to us. Grief is, in one way, a costly consequence of loving our loved ones. The only way we can avoid the pain of grief is by also avoiding the joy of love. In our scripture reading today, Jesus said to one of the sisters of the deceased, Martha, Lazarus, your brother, will rise again. With the sound of deep sorrow in her voice, Martha replied, I know my brother will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Then Jesus asked, where is Lazarus buried? When they led Jesus to the cave where they had placed the body of Lazarus, Martha warned him that her her, her brother had died four days ago and that his body was already decomposing. But Jesus confidently approached the grave and asked him to remove the stone that had been placed over the tomb. As Jesus stood there by the open tomb, the wind carried the stench of decaying flesh into his nostrils. After wiping tears from his own eyes, Jesus spoke to him who was dead and said, Lazarus, get up at the sound of the only voice that can break the sound barrier between life and death. Lazarus heard the distinctive sound of the voice of the life giver. Suddenly, he who was dead regained his brain function. His heart began beating again, fresh oxygenated blood began flowing through his veins and arteries. He inhaled and exhaled until his respiration was restored. All of his vital signs returned to normal. Homeostasis was fully restored, and he was completely cured of the disease that had taken his life. Then Lazarus opened his eyes. Again, he heard that voice, that distinctive voice that woke him from his slumber, this time saying, unwrap him and let him go. The first face he saw was that of his friend Jesus, standing in the doorway with arms open to greet him. Brothers and sisters today, the occasion of the living coming together to pay their last respects to a loved one who has departed from this life is played out every day all over the world. Our tears will eventually dry up, and the initial shock of losing someone that we love will fade away with time. But the reality of being separated from them through death is an enduring pain. You know, death happens so frequently and so often So we've become desensitized to it, and we even say that it's a normal part of the cycle of life. But I proclaim to you today from the word of God that death is not normal. Let me explain. When God created Adam and Eve, there was no such thing as death, you know. He created them with immortality, and he meant for them to live forever when the residents of Eden forfeited their birthright of immortality by sinning against their creator through disobedience, death was transferred to the entire human family by default. Up until that time, our first parents had never seen a flower lose its luster and die. They had never seen a leaf fall from a tree, nor a single blade of grass wither away. According to God's initial plan for us, death was not meant to be, and he made it so we would never become comfortable with death. No matter how many funerals I attend or conduct, I've never gotten comfortable with funerals, and neither have you. God never meant for the first family to be traumatized by the murder of their son at the hands of his own brother. He never meant for the inseparable pair to feel the agony of death and ultimately be torn apart by it. He never meant for us to experience the degrading effects of aging. The old I get, I begin to see those things happening in my own life now. He never meant for us to undergo declining cognitive function in Alzheimer's. It was not God's plan for there to be hospitals and nursing homes. God never designed for there to be funeral homes, memorial services, cemeteries, and graveside services. He never meant for a pastor to deliver a eulogy or for a chaplain to make a visit to comfort a grieving family member. Death was not meant to be. And today, my brothers and sisters, death is our indiscriminate foe. He's the archenemy of all living beings. He places no regard on social status. He does not care what your ethnicity is, what your gender is, or your age category. Death has no regard for your time, what's going on in your life, what your aspirations are, or what your plans may be. Sometimes there are telltale signs that death is approaching, but often he shows up unexpectedly like a thief in the night. He has taken the newborn from his mother's arms, the teenager from her peers, the middle aged father and mother from their family, and aging parents from their adult children. To death, age is but a number. He does not care whether you have a PhD from Harvard or a GED from a prison school. Education or the lack thereof means absolutely nothing to death. He does not care what religious beliefs you adhere to or your political view. All will face death someday. The famous celebrity with world-renowned talent and the infamous and the infamous criminal with nothing but a rap sheet both will have an encounter with death. Death does not care about your financial portfolio. You can be a Rolls-Royce driving billionaire on Wall Street with a chauffeur or a barefoot panhandler on Skid Row. Death is not impressed with material wealth and death is the great equalizer where the playing field is absolutely equal. The high-ranking dignitary that's buried, buried in a million-dollar crypt, who was put away with the highest honor, is the same in death as the unidentified John Doe, whose bullet-riddled body lies in an unmarked grave at the county cemetery. The only thing, the only thing, the only thing that really, really matters in death is whether or not you have died in Jesus and have the blessed hope of the resurrection and spending eternity in heaven. That is all that matters. That should make someone say amen. Amen. When Jesus said, loose him and let him go in the presence of the mourners in Bethany, that was the day that Jesus spoke to death and commanded death to release the death grip that he had on Lazarus. When the poor widow in name lost her only son, Jesus spoke to death again and said, not now let him go back to his mother's house. When Jairus' daughter died, Jesus spoke to death and said, she's only a child, let her grow up. You know, brothers and sisters, we forget sometimes just how powerful and awesome Jesus is. Why? Because he raised himself from his own death. He said, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to raise it up again. Jesus told John in Revelation 1, 18, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and of hell. Mm. Friends, as powerful as death is, do you know that there's a beauty in death? The Bible says in Psalms 116 and verse 15, Precious in the sight of the Lord. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. So brothers and sisters, and especially those of you who have lost loved ones, we have the blessed hope today. Someone say amen. When Jesus comes again to reap that faithful harvest that rests in the promise of his coming, When the dead in Christ hears the voice that Lazarus heard, the voice of him who has the keys of hell and of death, saying, Come forth from the grave, ye precious ones, that rest in the dust and receive your immortality, the crown of life that you deserve. Then, then, then Jesus will speak to death one final time, saying, O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? Then it will come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Hallelujah! In other words, in other words, you know, death has an appointment with the life giver that it cannot escape or delay. First Corinthians fifteen twenty six says, the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. And let me add, never, never more to return. Someone say, Amen. I say to you today that the best is yet to come. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 14 through 18, Paul said, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of God, that we who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord will by no means perceive those who are asleep, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. O oh, my brothers and sisters, We have the promise of a reunion with our loved ones. According to what we read in the word of God, we will be reunited with those who are in Christ. And when we see our loved ones again, they will not be diseased or sickly or weak as we last saw them. Oh no, why? Ellen White says, she says, as Jesus arose from the dead, so those who sleep in him are to rise again. They may have been deformed diseased or disfigured in this mortal life but they will rise in perfect health and symmetry I tell you the best is yet to come so mama may have gone to bed to sleep in Jesus rather she may have gone to sleep with cancer but she will be raised to newness of life she may have been crippled or your father may have been diseased but when they are raised to life they will be in perfect health and symmetry. Someone say amen. Amen. Along with the promise of a reunion with our loved ones, we also have the promise of a permanent residence in glory. And heaven will be more beautiful than your eyes have ever seen or your mind could possibly imagine. I know that many of you may have seen the wedding that happened um, of the prince a few Weeks ago, and it was beautiful to behold, but that's nothing compared to what God has prepared for us in glory. Hallelujah! The walls are made of jasper, the streets are pure, transparent gold, the gates of this city are made of whole pearls, the foundation is comprised of many precious gemstones. We are also told of the things that will not be in heaven, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, Revelation 21:4. And I heard a great evangelist say one time that God would not have a big towel up in glory dabbing people's eyes, but he's going to remove from us the things that cause us pain. It says, there will be no more death, no sorrow, nor crying. There should be no more pain for the former things have passed away. In this world, my brothers and sisters, we have to contend with sickness, with pain, with death, with sorrow, with grief, with crying. But we have the blessed hope that these things will one day come to an end. But until then, until then, grief will come. And it's hard to say goodbye to our loved ones, for they mean so much to us. But God's promises will help us make it through. The lyrics to one of my favorite hymns is being played right now. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound, and time shall be no more, and the morning breaks eternal bright and fair, when the saved of earth shall gather over on the other shore, and the roll, hallelujah, and the roll. It's called up yonder. I'll be there. Oh, I plan to be there. How about you here today? If you plan to be there, let me see you just wave your hand across this audience. And when I get there, the first person I want to see is Jesus, the one who gave his life for me. Then I want to see my big mama. That's my grandmother. She died about five years ago at 97 years of age. Actually, I want all of you to meet Big Mama. She was a saint, if ever there was one. Next, I want to see other family members and friends who have died. Then, 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 I'm going to be desperately looking for Gloria. I want to see Gloria. You say, who is Gloria? Let me tell you about Gloria. When I was a hospital chaplain in New York City some years ago, Gloria was one of the patients on my unit. I wasn't able to visit her because she was Jewish, and she declined my visits as a Christian chaplain. Her roommate, however, was an African-American woman named Jackie, who was a Baptist. And when I visited Jackie, we would always have a great time talking about God, singing, reading scriptures together. And Jackie had such a joy in her spirit, despite her illness and pain. But I will always speak to Gloria before I left the room. One day as I was leaving the room, Gloria stopped me and said, Chaplain, I know I'm not on your list to visit because I'm Jewish and I have a rabbi who comes by from time to time. But I've noticed that when you visit my roommate Jackie, she has such a joy in her spirit. And I know that we are both dying of the same disease, yet I am so afraid and depressed, and I feel hopeless about what will happen when I die." She said, "'I want to have some of the joy and peace that my roommate has.'" Gloria expressed to me that she was raised as an Orthodox Jew. She said she was taught that Jesus was a good man and a great teacher, but certainly not the Messiah. Gloria and I began studying the Bible together. And she began experiencing the joy of the Lord in her heart. And she really became excited when she understood what the Bible taught about the resurrection and spending eternity with Jesus. After a few weeks, that hospital room was transformed into a sanctuary. And Gloria gave her heart to Jesus. Hallelujah! A few weeks later, she died. So when I get to heaven, I'm going to be looking for Gloria and I expect to see her there. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what a reunion that will be? Oh, brothers and sisters, when your loved ones are raised to newness of life, they're going to be looking for you, their brothers, their sisters, their wives, their husbands, their friends. So that together, you can spend eternity with Jesus. So I say to you today, let nothing prevent you from being there when the role is called up yonder. For someone here today, that means committing your life to Jesus Christ today. Amen. In just a few moments. We're going to see the beautiful faces of some of our dear family members and friends who have died during this past year. Their faces will bring to mind many memories, thoughts, and emotions. And it's okay to grieve because they have been part of the puzzle of your lives that can never be replaced. But I implore you to cling to God's promise of comfort and hope in your time of grief. I implore you to cling to his promise of the resurrection. I implore you to cling to his promise of being reunited with our dearly departed loved ones. And most importantly, to cling to his promise of living in heaven forever and ever and ever and ever. And the song says forever is a long, long time. I assure you, my brothers and sisters here today, that God's promises will carry you through your grief and help you to remember and never, ever forget that the best is yet to come.